face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. We're back. Yes, I'll help you out. We're back. We were just, we agreed that the doctor would do the summary for today's episode, the booby trap. Actually, just booby trap. <laughs> sounds like a strip club. It does. Um, it does. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, we're uh, back here on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek The Next Generation. And today we're dealing with season three's uh episode the booby trap or booby trap rather i should say uh doctor i uh think uh you can go ahead and give us the summary all right so the enterprise comes across a it's like an asteroid belt right or an asteroid field is it that's right the, the remains, remains of, a, of a planet of a Alderaan. planet and <laughs> it's uh it's something that intrigues picard because he says oh this is the site of this great uh, civilization that wipes itself out or something and uh, uh, they find a ship uh, nestled in this asteroid field and they go in and Picard takes Worf and uh, I don't know, is it Data or Jordy? Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's Data. Uh, it's Data and Worf. Yep. And Worf and, uh, and there's a funny scene where Riker is is sort of trying to talk him out of it and Picard's like shut up and you know this is this is my thing go away uh, so you can see the sort of the archaeologist in Picard and uh, it's interesting because you, you kind of think it's going to be a Picard episode and uh, he gets on board and you know he's doing the whole thing like you know he's touching the ship like it is the first contact and you know he's bonding with it and he's all excited <laughs> And uh, they go, they beam away, they're back on the Enterprise, but suddenly they fall into some sort of trap, and uh, the ship is losing power, and they can't get away, and they realize, oh my gosh, this is something left behind from, from uh, from this civilization, and they've fallen into the same booby trap. (laughs) <laughs> Hence the name booby trap, and so it's up to our uh, our buddy here, Mister LaForge, to figure out a way to uh, get the ship out, and he uh, uses a uh, a holographic image of the one of the designers of the Enterprise D uh, engine propulsion system, and it, her name is uh, was it, is it Le- it's Layla Brom. Leah Brahms. Leah Brahms. And poor Jordy. Jordy uh, <laughs> seems to develop a, a fixation with this hologram. And uh, they actually end up figuring out how to get out. And it's, sort, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very interesting thing. Uh, in, instead of, of doing something, it's sort of like... Just shut everything down and use the impulse drives, right? It's sort right, of like the, thrust- instead, the, the thrusters, thrusters. Don't overthink the, thrusters, the problem. Yeah. And right. uh, Picard actually takes takes the helm. The helm, yeah. And it's very exciting because you see Picard is there, you know, <laughs> and Data is, is like Captain, uh, fifteen milliseconds to the left, and it's like, and he just navigates. <laughs> The Enterprise away, and uh, end of story. It's uh, very I have simple story. Mick, it's a very simple story. It's very much character based, 
Uh, at first, like I said, at first I thought it was a very good. It was going to be a very Picard-centric episode, and it still is a very. There are a lot of Picard moments, but it seems like Jordy kind of steals the spotlight halfway through the episode. I think the episode is uh, the great summary. Thank you. <laughs> I think the episode is definitely um, at the end of the day a Jordy. It ends up being a Jordy episode yeah. with a uh, with some really awesome uh, Picard things. But I think this is where now again, I think Star Trek season three is playing on this kind of strength of the team a lot more. They're not just like uh, relying on one character per episode or you know one st- it, it, they'll still do that i'm sure but like i feel like there's a stronger sense of like oh we can tell like we have a little space we have a little room we can depending on the story we can tell you know multiple uh stories here different perspectives um but this is a uh, it, it brought up a lot of like uh, memories for me I, I do remember as a kid thinking how weird and cool this episode was at the same time because um you know uh, we still don't have holodecks but like imagine if you could create a holodeck companion (laughs) you know like that's kind of like a a weird thing and and we we delve even deeper into this idea of a virtual uh a virtual companion with when we meet when we finally meet uh lieutenant barkley uh, later on, we'll we'll get even weirder with holodecks and and relationships. Um, but basically, the standout scene in this episode for me was definitely uh, Captain Picard taking the helm, you know, and navigating out of the uh, asteroid, uh, you know, the debris field of this planet. Um, but there's a lot in this episode. It's a pretty dense episode as well. Um, I do, I do like how you use the the gravitational pull of the asteroid to slingshot to the sling uh, it goes, yeah. yeah and I actually remember that being such a cool intense moment uh, when I was a kid and even though I knew what was going to happen I, I remembered it I was like oh no they're going to do that thing it was still very uh, fun to relive uh, that experience in this episode I'll make a confession right here right now this is the uh, when I watched it. I think I told you I've I started watching season three and I just sort of marathoned through the first like almost ten episodes because mm-hmm. they're also very good and this was sort of my first speed I guess speed bump uh, I loved the opening and I have to confess I this is the first time I've seen it I didn't watch this episode when it first aired oh, because wow. when it first aired. You know, you would get those little uh, intros to next week's, little previews mm-hmm. to next week's episode. Well, the previews focused on Jordy falling in love with this girl, and the previews were terrible. And <laughs> and I saw the preview, and I was like, oh, I'm not watching this crap. And I do remember I you did. doing that. Yeah. I remember you doing that often. <laughs> You relied on this. You relied on those those previews. So, were you? Um, would you tell uh, uh, the doc your version, that version of you? Hey, give this episode a chance. Go ahead and watch it. Is that something you would do now? Yeah, after you've actually, seen it? because <laughs> it, it, it starts off very strong. It, it <clears throat> again, the whole Jordy and the holodeck thing is later on. It takes a while for that to get really well. It silly. starts out with it starts out with Jordy on a date, basically, which is kind of interesting because we don't really often see uh, people going on dates. And it's interesting that he chooses the holodeck and a beach, and he's got like these like um, uh, cocktails and coconuts, and a uh, he's like really overdoing it. Like he's got a violinist, uh, you know, in the program, and the poor uh, his poor date. I don't even remember her name. Just looks completely like uncomfortable, and you know. Well, of course, he's wearing that that <laughs> thing that women wear on their on their hair. I mean, it's it's. What was she wearing? I don't remember that. He's wearing I, the thing that women wear on their head. Oh, the. <laughs> you think the visor gets? Yes, in the, way the visor or? turns people off, man. Hey, man. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't turn. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's funny. It was a. Uh, wasn't the design based on a. Um, what, I don't know what wind. it is. It's like a little. A, 
What do they call it? We're not chicks, so we don't know. It's, but it's the thing that they wear. They hold sh- their hair back. It's called a bonnet, I think. No, it's not a bonnet. But, I mean, you're looking at this guy <laughs> and he's got so this thing. Right you know? It's like, why doesn't he take... I mean, it's, it's, it's better if he takes it off. Well, then he's just completely blind, though. Remember, well, the visor is what gives him his... Blind people can get by and have relationships. I mean... No, I know, but he'd have to, like... I feel like Jordy... No. I wouldn't want to give up whatever sight the visor gives me, because it is important. Like, he does probably... He is probably able to, like you said, read certain cues and things like that. But, I mean, that's beside the point. I think that... I think it the is more, the point. That's why no, he's, I think, he's so lonely. I think you're... Looks, I think you're... No, I think you're like lost. Cyclops. I think you're making an excuse just like Jordy does. Jordy does later on in the scene with Guinan because it really isn't about the visor or the violinist or the beach or any of it or even the awful clothing that they're all wearing in their in their hangout time. Like that that clothing is just like ridiculous in my opinion. I think that's a, you know that wouldn't be very sexy to me. Like he's wearing this weird like uh, circus performance uh, outfit is what it looks like. But it's what like it what really, they wore in Batman Forever, Robin. I guess when yeah. He was, like, just, doing the little, I don't even, yeah. It's a strange outfit That's to, to be lounging around in. It looks like something uh, out of the circus to me. Was Anyways, that scene but, shot by Joel Schumacher? <laughs> but what it what it boils down to in the scene later on with Guinan is that it's it's Jordy himself. He's self conscious. He's not being just himself. He's uh-huh. trying to be something that he's not. And I think that that is absolutely true. Guinan's right. Speaking of which, interestingly enough, Guinan alludes to Times Arrow. Yes. In this episode, in she that does. same scene, she kind of yeah. She says she's attracted to bald man, and she's like, a bald man was uh, once kind to me, and I can't help but think. Yeah, I couldn't help but think of time. Of course, that is time the, zero, absolutely. Yeah, and of course, when the episode aired, we didn't know that. We just knew there right. was a mystery. And this is like you know, and uh, so and so at least two, maybe three seasons ahead of that episode. So it's it's really extraordinary. Well. It might have been a, a throwaway line, or maybe uh, the producers and writer. You know, yeah, it's a throwaway actually, line. They just decided to, to, to actually flesh it out like three seasons later, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's see when. You're looking it up? That's, yeah, season five and six. You're absolutely right. Wow. So. <laughs> it's extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, wh- cool thing to remember. Yeah. And tie into that. Um, uh you know, so anyways, th- I thought that was cool because I'm like, oh my gosh, like that does happen later on. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that scene where uh, uh, in Ten Ford because um, immediately after the date, you know, and after uh, after the date scene uh, on the holodeck, you cut to Data and Wesley playing uh, three dimensional chess. In front of this beautiful, I don't remember what the effects look like uh, originally on DVD, but here in the remastered edition, it's such a beautifully yeah. rendered uh, scene of the of the debris field as the backdrop to their game of chess, and then they just kind of look and 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 remark. You know, the the remarks they're making are, are so like interesting because you know, here's uh, data says that it's a it's remarkable the kind of destruction. Obviously, a whole planet, you know gone uh considering the primitive uh weapons of the of the era and again i feel like it's another warning to to the viewer (laughs) to the to the humans uh you know even even though you know our our weapons are certainly crude by the standards of uh star trek but with with a you know with our nuclear weapons we could certainly wipe out oh right you know everyone on the planet and so i thought that that was a an interesting um kind of scene and then jordy walks in and wesley's like "Uh uh-oh and then you know when he explains it to data i love that data echoes the the sentiment and says "Uh (laughs) uh-oh is is, wesley's very into like the emotional moods of his of his crewmen because isn't he, isn't he the one who notices that Worf is is feeling a little off in last season and he's the one that finds out that Worf needs whatever that ceremony 
and and now here he's noticing Jordy's mood. He's kind of like that's an a, emotional barom- barometer for, yeah. for for the crew. That's a you know that's a great uh, a great observation. But I think it also fits in with his kind of uh, remarkable abilities that we get a hint of uh, with the traveler, and then you know don't really see too much of later on. But also, I think as a younger person. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think as a younger person, that's kind of like what you are uh, in tune with more than anything else is like emotions and feelings. Because I feel like we as we develop into adults, we learn how to manage our feelings and control them and, you know, harness them or channel them into different venues whereas i think when we're younger we're just more raw in that way so i could i could almost see that you know um wesley would be uh more sensitive uh to the emotions of his uh colleagues uh in that way um but yeah that was that was a good scene the other so then the other thing is is the discovery of the um i have to get the name of the the species correct here uh, what are they? Let's look it up here real quick. Um, do you remember what they're called? It starts with an A. Oh, I have no clue. <laughs> well, oh, it's, um, sorry, it's Aurelius <coughs> 9, and it's the, it's the Promelian Battle Cruiser, so it doesn't start with an A at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what did you think of the Promelian Battle Cruiser? I loved that model. Yeah, um, that was cool. It's it is really that was cool. Really cool. That yeah, whole thought- aspect of the of the episode really intrigued me. I mean, like I said, this is the first time I'd seen it, so I didn't remember any of the. I, I I didn't know anything about this, so I was really intrigued to learn more about this race and how this is going to figure into the plot and um, you know Picard has you know there's several episodes where his archaeologist side comes out his you know uh, ex, is it his ex, exo archaeology is that what they exo, call it exo yeah or even just you know intergalactic general, archaeologist I don't know yeah, whatever I guess so. <laughs> that Indiana Jones side to Picard comes out uh, very often and and this was an episode that you know you saw the excitement he had in going aboard this old ship, and and doesn't he have this funny exchange with with everybody in the beginning about ships in a, in a bottle? Yeah, and he's, and, and he's everybody's like, like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, <laughs> didn't didn't all of you build ships in a bottle, O'Brien? Didn't you? And O'Brien's the only one who's like, yeah, yeah, of course, Captain. And Riker doesn't this look like you? He's just kissing his ass, man. He's like, no, really, I did. It's like, come on. Um, but even even the, he also <laughs> remarks in that same scene how he probably had built a model of this Promelian of that um, ship, right? Of that ship itself, and you know, I uh, I was definitely into model building. My father, I remember, yeah, um, got me into it. I definitely built all the starship yes, models. I had, you know, I had the I remember. The Klingon D7 was one of the first ones I ever constructed. And really like, hanging in your room? Uh, at one time, I had an elaborate uh, battle sequence yeah, with, my, <laughs> with my various in models. You're absolutely f- right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I, so I totally related to what Captain Picard was saying. I actually also built a naval, um, uh, the Enterprise, the... the um, the aircraft carrier, I had a model of that, which I used to actually uh, float in the bathtub. Uh, it was it was wow. it was such a good model that they it actually like uh, could, it was it was buoyant and it actually like had weights to keep it you know at the right level of uh, of uh, where it should be and etc. And of course, I ruined the model, but <laughs> <laughs> but but there is something I I don't see um, you know. Uh, I, I do see Legos are still very popular, and that's kind of a form of uh, of uh, model building. But I don't see a lot of uh, model building among uh, you know uh, folks of the next generation, and that's kind of probably what Picard uh, was going through in that scene. Is that like he and O'Brien, O'Brien you know, has a unique you know f- reason for 
uh, playing with chips in the bottle, probably because of his heritage. But other outside of that, like the rest of the crew is just like, what the heck are you, you know, what, what the heck are you talking about? And I do love in that scene, Worf says, "I did not play with toys as a child." <laughs> and then like, Data's like, "I was never a boy." A boy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and he's just like, just like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> but yeah, that was a very endearing uh, moment. His his giddiness, as it were, does... Kind of, you mentioned Indiana Jones, and it does reflect the... Um, the Last Crusade, uh, yeah. when uh, when um, Fräulein uh, Schneider says uh, to Indy that her, that his father was as giddy as a schoolboy upon discovering the Grail yeah. uh, location or whatever, and so I thought that was a cool, interesting thing. And and Troy remarks, she's like, she's like, kind of watching him, and she's like, you know, it's not. It's just rare to see the side of your personality, and so Picard just kind of uh, grants her the moment. <laughs> he just it, slightly disapprovingly yeah. uh, as he turns away. So yeah, it was a very good. That was a very good like uh, setup, and I love that they used um, the Permelian um, battle cruiser as kind of a a way to bring this side of Captain Picard's personality out. And so I could see where you would totally think that this was going to be. Um, a Picard centric yeah, episode. I was uh, I was fooled. I uh, I had a problem with I, I liked all the scenes with uh, Doctor Brahms, but there's a there's a point where um, there's a couple of things that come up. Like w- for instance, um, one is that Jordy uh, doesn't confess right away that he's using a holodeck simulation and as a matter of fact captain picard even says something like congratulations to you and your team and that remark actually made me wonder like why wasn't there a team Mm -hmm. involved like why was he going solo on such a critical issue so to speak i mean i i realized he was using the computer as a as a means of bouncing some of his ideas off but you one would imagine that in this scenario uh you know faced with these same uh situ- the same situation that you I, I agree with the whole holodeck simulation and recreating dr brahms that's all good and well but i just kind of did find it now na- upon this rewatching a little suspect that we didn't have more of the engineering crew mm-hmm. on on the problem, and yeah. when in the past for lesser things you have like all of engineering scrambling right. you to see figure it out. So that was one of the qualms I did have with the episode. What did you think? I I think it 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 almost I mean it made Jordy seem a little bit I don't want to say disturbed is not the right word, <laughs> but yeah, there was just something really odd about that and. The fact that he didn't really wasn't very forthcoming in, in sharing how he's he came across you know the answers that he was doing, and and like you just pointed out, you would think that if if the ship was in such critical danger, um, wouldn't other members of the engineering crew, upon seeing that Jordy was sort of like, you know, shutting himself off in this holodeck, wouldn't somebody say, wait a minute, why is he in there? Like why aren't why isn't he directing us to do anything? Why isn't he part of our trying to solve the problem? Somehow, I think that would have gotten to the captain in one shape or another. And and actually, I you know typically Jordy and Data work together uh, they, very right, closely, exactly. and it just seemed like they sort of you know they weren't working together on this problem at this time. And and you're right, it it, it does kind of stand out. And um, I feel like you could have still had like, uh, you know, one one possible reason is, well, then you couldn't really have had this intimacy between Jordy and the computer simulated right. uh, Dr. Brahms. But I feel like it, it could there could have been and maybe there was ri- a scene written and, you know, it got cut or, or whatever. But it, there could have been easily just a scene where he's having a meeting with the engineering team. And he's like, you know, you do this, you do that, you do that. I'll be in the holodeck running simulations. You know what I mean? Like, right. It, just as a little scene like that would have kind of like reconciled that in my mind, mm. but I feel you know, and again, it could have it could have played out that way. I mean, that's perfectly fine, but I, I think it would have added more dimension to the episode had we had just a few more engineers on the problem 
to show us that like you know this is like this is life or death here like literally like you know fatal exposure to radiation like you want to know that like all the full resources of the ship are are attacking the situation and again and I don't know if it was intentional. I think it was because I, I do sense that it was played that way. But the moment when Picard walks mm-hmm. into the holodeck. He's very judgmental. Yeah, he just he's, he's just judging kinda, him like, what like, are you doing? Hardcore. <laughs> it's like, like, that was the full Picard there in the stare. Jordy, <laughs> like, what are you doing? And he doesn't, you could tell he doesn't really have the time to, like, you know address the situation so he has to make a you're right he has to make like a snap judgment about it and just kind of like you know trust that Jordy's on the on the problem <laughs> but it is awkward it's yeah, a really yeah. weird it's it like does Jordy get, the ship is <laughs> the ship is in danger what the hell are you doing Doing, yeah it seems yeah. like you're just goofing off and then it does get awkward later on because there is going to be an episode and I think it's season four or five I think it might be four uh, where the actual Dr. Leah Brahms Mm -hmm. comes aboard and if I'm not mistaken she's introduced to her uh, holographic counterpart in that episode I don't remember I don't think I I saw it there is a follow up and then I think she's if I'm not mistaken Dr. Brahms is mentioned again because in all good things, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jordy's married to her in that alternate really? future. Yeah, oh, but in I'm, the alternate. Right. Well, we don't know. But yeah, right. exactly. We don't know what that future is because Q kind of, you know, is involved with it. So um, but but he asks Jordy in the vineyard scene, if I'm not mistaken, he'll say he says something like, how's, you know, Leah and the children? And I think it's referring I to, I to, to the Dr. wife Brown. and the children. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, here the the main problem I had with the, the main issue I had with the with this episode and with other episodes that employ the holodeck like this is, you know, I mean after a certain point, okay, I know it's it's a simulation, but you know when you when you know, when Jordy is requesting, okay, computer extrapolate uh, from the speech that she gave in such and such place can you apply more personality to the program and I mean at what at what point is the holodeck creating life here I mean like she I mean within a certain within certain parameters Leah Brahm was alive in a sense I mean she wasn't you know, she she would seem to be capable of some independent thought because obviously she was um, she was coming up with new uh, theories on the warp propulsion with Jordy. Now, of course, you could say, well, it's the computer working it out, but still, I think it, yeah, it, it, it's blurring the lines, and and I I just I, it's just really weird, and I. It, it, it is really weird, but I think it actually parallels um, uh, a human, a very, uh, a very human um, experience, which is the experience of uh, of, uh, of non-duality in a sense. You know, like uh-huh. where you know one knows that one is an individual, but also part of a a, a whole, a collective, if, a collective or a whole, if you will. And so, like in a way, like you're absolutely right. Like at one point. You know Moriarty, uh, Doctor Brahms, like w- all these advanced computerized uh, simulations. They're still the computer, but somehow the computer is able to uh, branch its uh, its own right. you know self into this individual. Uh-huh. So it's still you know it's a very fascinating uh, and trippy and weird yeah. <laughs> thing to think about. But I think it does parallel in a lot of ways that kind of that that deep. Uh, philosophy that we have in ourselves and 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 now dealing you know uh, there's a lot of conversation about artificial intelligence and 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 you know sentience and things like that and it's like you know what's what 
what makes us sentient and individual and and conscious and all those things is is a mystery to science to this day like no one can no one has been able to to figure it out and i can't imagine that you know if a computer has the process if you know i can i can imagine that without knowing it the enterprise has a sentient being on board which is the enterprise and actually that might be a really see okay I'm going to go on one of my <laughs> exploratory uh, I'm going to go on a thing here. Okay. Rather than go back to Are the monks tweeting? Are, <laughs> are the monks meditating? Uh, <laughs> no, have they stopped meditating? <laughs> have the monks stopped meditating? Are the monks are tweeting? Tweeting instead they appear to be tweeting. I love that. <laughs> but um but rather, you know, uh, there was a throwaway comment uh, by I think you said Rick Berman. It was it Rick Berman who said, "What are you going to do? Make tighter uniforms? Oh, yeah, and Rick faster. Berman said, "Yeah, go eighty years further. What are you going to have? Tighter spandex, faster ships, faster ships, right? And and you know, sorry, Rick Berman, but why not have an Enterprise where the character, where where one of the main characters is the ship." Like how cool would it been have if the next oh. generation had a sentient, a truly sentient Enterprise. individual computer that was just able to have its own, you know, uh, reactions and feelings and and ideas and like so there you go. That's the uh, next eighty. Wow. There's uh, the next wasn't 80. that something <laughs> that Rottenberry himself alluded to? Originally, the idea that the Enterprise was so advanced that everybody was just sort of like they were just everybody was just a passenger. That was one of the concepts, and I saw an art like a concept right, art about it too. Yeah, where it was just like there wasn't like a traditional bridge with controls. It was more like a lounge where right. you kind of sat around and and uh, um, you know observed what was going on and the enterprise just kind of took you everywhere and and knew and so on and so forth and certainly those of us who are fans of uh doctor who um know that you know this are familiar with this concept and comfortable with it because the tardis itself hmm. has has a mind and a and a it's a life form it's not just a mechanical thing so i think that would be amazing is you know to give <laughs> jordy and the, the Tardis. that's and the a TARDIS. cool that's a cool image. And the um, actually, I, I was I was going to cite another British show, which is Blake Seven, where the ship is sentient, mm. uh, where is uh, Zen, and the original ship that uh, the um, uh, that the the crew take they, that has this sentient computer, and it's called Zen, and and I mean even though they pilot the ship, Zen the computer is its own personality and uh, at one point when they when they lose the Liberator which is the name of the ship Zen has a death scene and, and you feel like you've lost part of the crew so the idea of, of an Enterprise that is part of the crew is actually uh, a fantastic idea I think I'm I think sure somebody I should be listening out there. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't come up with it. I'm sure others have thought of it because... It I don't almost, know. I haven't heard of it. I mean, other than what I, we were just right talking now. about, Roddenberry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which but was I mean, too, it's, almost, it's almost suggested in TNG. I mean, the inner, the I think there is, if I'm not mistaken, a future episode where there is the question about the computer core or it's already you know but but it doesn't quite go all the way to that you know to that level and i think that would be a remarkable thing to do i thought voyager might have had something like that you know because it's a next generation starship you know next generation vessel. yeah aren't the uh, engines biological or something they i keep i always i i can't wait i don't know anyone who watches voyager (laughs) no there's a lot of people there's a lot of has a huge following but um, it does Yes, Voyager's got a really? huge following. 
Yeah, f- according uh, most of uh, the folks I've met who watch Star Trek that are younger than I am uh, have a lot of they they were introduced to it through uh, Star Trek Voyager and really they just, yeah they just love it yeah yeah I think so and I'm not you know and I'm hmm. I'm excited about watching it because I have Voyager's a show that I haven't watched completely you've um, tried. Right, but you know, several times I didn't try. Really, really I think try, that now, says something. Now I have an excuse. Now I have a reason to watch it, and who knows? I may, I may end up loving the show as well. We'll oh. see. I'm open. I'm open to falling in love with Voyager. I don't think it'll ever. I don't think any show would replace um, uh, TNG and the original series for me. But you know, we'll see. <laughs> so but going back, back to, to the, yeah to the episode. Um, so I don't doubt that when the computer creates these like offshoots, it's all, it's being asked to be creative. I mean, the computer it has to be like has to be creative and create this like approximation of a personality. So I think that 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 is a testament to some kind of um, intelligence. And I like the scene where. Um, you know, after the awkward uh, introduction to Leah Brahms, uh, he's sitting in his ready room in the dark, and he's... Uh, is that the Enterprise D? Yes, it is, actually. It's the Enterprise D. Very, oh, very small nice. scale. Oh, very, very nice. I think that's from the same collection uh, that brings you... Oh, do tell. Look at that. Uh, see oh, here, my. Look, it's this, look at that. It's these, like, micro... Not micro, micro machines. machines. It was, was it the micro machines? Yeah. Micro machines, yes. Yeah, I think that's the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're very wow. good. This they is, are very good. They're very detailed. This is the Galileo 2, and I think it's a very nice... Uh, it is. I don't have that one. Oh, the runabouts. Look at that. You know, and it, they're made with really good plastics because they don't. Um, yeah. They have. It, it's been so many years and they still uh, retain their uh, suppleness and their mm-hmm. um, everything else. So, very cool. But, um, anyways, he's sitting in his ready room in the dark. Uh, staring outside the window and Riker comes in and they have that conversation where he's like, you know, because uh, basically Jordy's saying, hey, at that point, Jordy was saying, let's hand over all control to the to computer. The computer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Picard's contemplating this and Riker's like, you know, it makes that point. He's like, well, you know, I've seen computers uh, be excellent at taking orders, but I haven't really seen them be creative at, at you know, and giving yeah, having to execute or like actually give orders or be creative and and solutions and things like that and uh they talk about propeller airplanes and it ends up that the solution turns out to be to actually go propeller airplane mm-hmm. on on this and i thought that was an interesting um solution or or resolution to this problem yeah. and and almost like duh actually because if this thing's sucking uh, the more energy you give out the more it sucks and gives back right like it it's safe to say that if you deprive it of that power you're gonna right. have but you know, that, i mean that's that's the trap is there everybody was overthinking it mm-hmm. i mean i mean in a way all of that time spent in the holodeck was really I mean, it, none of that was going to work. Right, it was it, a waste it, of time. It was a big waste of time. <laughs> and and I, that's actually sums up how I feel about that part of the episode. I thought it was a big waste of time. I, 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 I didn't... You know, Jordy... Jordy. I, <laughs> wow. Um, poor Jordy. Um, I think he's a character who, you know, he's... He's a he was a, he's a good character. He works well with data, you know, when they're together as a team in, in an episode. Um, I think it took a while for him to kind of find his footing. I thought last season and uh, you know there was a, his character seemed very confident as, as the engineer. I think he's been showcased very well. Uh, but this whole thing where he can't find a date, 
you know, and it, 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 I, maybe it's just my impression, but it seems to me like it went on the whole show. Um, it just seems kind of lame. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, earlier we had that. It's, who was that engineering ensign that we're always saying? What happened to her? You know, Ensign Gomez. Ensign yeah, Gomez. Gomez. It seemed like right. you know. I mean, Jordy doesn't have any weird problems with relating to women. He's fine. He's he's a charismatic guy. He's cool. He's with it. But it just seems like for the purposes of this episode, you know. You think it's so? You think it's a bit contrived? You felt like I think it's contrived. Contrived, yeah. Um, you know, you know, he's he's not a okay. I mean, he's not an old guy, but he's not a he's not he's not exactly Wesley Crusher. He's not a young kid. She's he's been around the block. Uh, you know, I I just I, I find that they kind of you know saddled him with this kind of subplot a few too many times, and and. Uh, the whole holodeck, you know, I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird to me. I mean, I really liked the way the episode started off. I was very, and I was very interested in the episode. I thought it was great, and then all of a sudden, it's like it takes this turn, and I'm like, oh my god, it's this episode. <gasps> no, <Yeah>. and <laughs> it, it was kind of like for those older people who remember Mr. Toad's Wild Wild Ride. It's like. You're okay, and then all of a sudden you're 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 gonna hit the the train is gonna hit you, and you're like, holy <laughs> crap, we're gonna go to hell, and and that's what it feels and like. You hadn't even this. you didn't even see it. You just remembered not being interested from the trailers. From the trailers, like, oh. yeah, the trailers yeah, really so emphasized like, <clears throat> the whole the roma- the love thing. thing, and and I may even have tried to watch the from the beginning, and of course, what's the beginning? That whole lame beach sequence. Right. And, and I'm, I'm like, as a kid, I was like, okay, this is going to be a lame episode. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> and I tuned out, and I, I never saw it. I uh, I also thought <clears throat> that the ending, uh, the last moment with Dr. Brahms, is a little weird uh, for the computer to come up with this and a bit creepy. But do you remember how she's like... Um, Oh, I have. I wrote it down. It's. I'm with you every day, Jordy. Uh, every yeah, time you look at this engine, you're looking at me. Every time you touch it, it's me. And it's like super creepy for the computer to come up with that. And actually, that figures in later, if I recall correctly, into the the follow up where where the real Doctor Brahms comes out. I think she sees this, like she calls it up or something like that. She's curious. Why is there a Dr. Leah Brahms program? And then that line is repeated. And of course you can imagine what she's going through when she hears, Well, but this. it's not Jordy's fault. Like, I mean, the computer it, says it. So if I were not, her, I'd be like, why is a computer saying this as me? Like who's the guy, who, who's the guy who designed this crap? Uh, I'd be pissed at him or her. So I, again, that, that's my point about these these hologram episodes is that it just gets it kind of muddies the waters as to what what sort of sentience does the computer have, uh, and and you know how how are are human beings supposed to re- to relate to this? You know, I mean, right? And and of course, Next Generation was written and came about at a time before we had. You know the, the 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 sort of artificial intelligence and virtual reality I, and social I media don't. that we have now. But I mean, the question that that was in the trailer of that uh, that documentary that um, oh god, this guy Werner Herzog is proposing. Somebody says, you know, we could, you know, there could be a time where we are born into a world where it's more important to have social contact with. Electronics than it is with other human beings, and right, and that's something that us as a people are going to have to maybe come to grips with at some point, and and of course, next generation is sort of touching upon it already, but it 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 it's a little naive and and because of course it, they just didn't know the level that we would have, you know, because right. yeah. No, I mean, I agree 100%. And they even handle it in the next generation. Of course, we have the, the ultimate embracing of technology and, and machinery is the Borg, you know. And so it's kind of like 
Um, I do think that like one thing that the next generation and, and in this episode you do see these themes is that like there is a holistic and kind of uh, you know uh, a relationship between humans and you know machines and 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 computers, but it seems very natural and very holistic and not you know and not like what the fears that we all have. Um, I think are founded because I could see how we could slip into that. But I also think that it is human nature to desire contact. Like we are still very, you know, physical and we're not far from our animalistic, uh, you know, past. And we're still, while our minds are developing, our bodies haven't developed past a certain level, you know, like uh, we all still have, you know, five fingers. It would probably be a benefit to have seven fingers or, or more, <laughs> you know, it's like, so I think that the, 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 the evolution of humanity moving forward is going to be in the mind, but, you know, I think that it's important for us to not lose track of the fact that we are human. Cause that's the only thing that really defines us all and brings us all together is that all of us on this planet are human, you know? And so how do we retain that? Well, I think it'll just happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I don't think we're going to lose that so easily. I, uh, not to say that it's something you should take for granted or, no, or yeah, you know, but, or, or but anything like that, but is something um, like what we're seeing here close to human. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I would, again, I haven't watched Forager, but the holographic doctor, uh, I mean, if my, if I'm not mistaken, the doctor ends up having relationships on the ship oh. and I think he even gets married by what? the end of the show. So it's like, but he's a hologram because they, they figure out a way to, uh, he, oh, they, he can walk about the ship he can freely? Walk, kind of like the guy in Red Dwarf that he wears a big H the, for hologram. Right, I, remember, I remember it. That's right. Right, you know. That's such a good show. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why I can't take Voyager seriously because it's like Red Dwarf. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, it, 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 at what point are holographic beings just beings themselves, not just a... Uh, an extension of the computer, as you were saying, the computer, you know, putting personalities into this, into this, into this. At one point, is it its own thing, its own person? And I think this episode, I mean, if we could put a giant H on Leia Brahms and have her walk out of the holodeck, could Jordy have had a relationship with her? I, I mean, think so. And then yeah, it, what I about the real Leia Brahms? I know. What, it, it's what would scary. that mean for her? I don't know. It's kind of weird. I well, in unusual fashion, <laughs> uh, this little episode actually does seem like it's going to spawn future discussion because we will have follow-ups uh, in you know with with the actual Doctor Leo Brahms. I can't remember in detail what uh, what happens, but I'm excited to to get to that point. Do you have anything? Uh, what does the great uh, Larry Namasek oh. uh, say <laughs> about this uh, episode? And I'll 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 uh, look here. I have some stuff um, here on Memory Alpha that might be from that to convey here. What's the name of this episode? Booby Trap, right? Booby Trap. Yep. Okay, so we're talking about. Uh, oh my gosh, it's so. I'm gonna need the. Um, what's that? Here's cl- a, what's here's that cluster fun- in generations? The what? The oh, the stellar cartography. Was it? <laughs> <clears throat> While the doctor's away, I'll uh, read from uh, some production notes here. While the golden light from the oh, there it is the the Armagosa uh, the Armagosa station, the okay. light. Um, <laughs> That's um, how. What? How are you producing that epic uh, sunset light? With that <laughs> on your end there. Uh, here's a here's a little fun thing. In an early draft of the episode, Doctor Brahms was named 
Navid Daystrom and was intended to be a descendant of Dr. Richard Daystrom from the original oh. series, The Ultimate Computer. Unfortunately, the casting department did not realize that this would require a black actress to play the part until after Susan Gibney had been hired. At the suggestion of the script coordinator, Eric Stilwell, the character was renamed, but the Daystrom tie-in was kept by adding a line that she had graduated from the Daystrom Institute. Interesting. That's from the Star Trek Encyclopedia. Another well, good book. Here it says originally <coughs> Picard was to have become involved with Leia Bronze Haldeck simulation, but Michael Piller changed that to the more logical choice of Geordi, whom the writers likened to the guy who tumbles around women but is in love with his 57 Chevy. Mm. Oh, fumbles around. Sorry, not tumbles. Right. That makes sense. I mean, he is the chief engineer and. He loves the ship, so... This is kind of a, the first episode directed by a woman. First Next Generation episode directed by a woman. Uh, Gabriella Beaumont. And... Very cool. Yeah, it's... Oh, wait, hold on, there's more. Uh, she returns in the episode Galaxy's Child, Leah Brahms. Uh, the episode also provides another tiny peek into Guinan's background. She reveals she is first attracted to men's heads, especially bald ones, since a bald man helped her through a painful time. But there's no clear indication that she means Picard. The art staff originally wanted the holodeck model to be a mock-up of an actual warp engine, but the oh. time but time worked against that idea and yielded the compromise sliding panels seen. Oh, the, the sliding panel scene. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then it was cool to see the Enterprise in the background uh, under construction. Yeah, that was <laughs> cool, actually. Very nice. So, yeah, it would have been a terrible... Well, you know, that's interesting because it did look like it was going to start off as a Picard episode. But then it suddenly shifts into it being a Jordy episode. And if it had been Picard who was supposed to have fallen in love with the hologram, then, yeah, it, it kind of shows. It, it retained that Picard-centric aspect in the beginning and at the end. It's only the middle that they swapped it out, which is interesting because it, it's a... It's, it's a it, well, I mean, again, speaking, you know, um, for me and my watching, I, I feel like I, I felt like I fell into a booby trap. Um, I thought I was watching a great episode that I had never seen before. And it turns out it was the Leo Brahm episode. I'm like, oh, crap. So um, interesting. So, so I didn't have quite the reaction you did. I actually... Um, I, I wouldn't say it's like the, you know, I guess we should come to our ratings now. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this episode a 6.5. I really, really loved the uh, the Picard scenes. <clears throat> I especially loved him navigating the Enterprise. I loved all the historical kind of stuff, thinking about a, 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 an advanced at the time, you know, when he, he even says it in the episode, when humans were, uh, you know, barely, you know, developing writing, these people were, you know, uh, th- this civilization was out there destroying a planet, basically. <laughs> 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 so I really loved all that um, aspect of it. And I liked all the Leah Brahms, Geordi stuff. It wasn't like terrible for me. I didn't, I wasn't just like miserable and wishing that it would go away, but it wasn't like, you know, amazing. Like, Oh my gosh. I will, however, say that I think that this episode did have some kind of subconscious impact on me because personally I would not mind uh, a holodeck (laughs) companion. Really? Yeah. Or a, uh, or a robotic companion. I just, uh, I just have uh, like always thought that that wouldn't be a terrible thing, especially if it was as, uh, as, um, you know, uh, interactive and realistic is the one that the computer generates in this, in this situation. So, yeah. 
<laughs> what do you give this Interesting. Episode? Yeah, it's a weird thing, but I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I give this a 4.5. Wow. Um, our our, uh, our nice little, uh, you know, strong start finally dips to below it's a five speed bump. for you. It's yeah, a speed, speed bump. bump. Wow. It's a bit of a speed bump. I think the Picard scenes are. I think it starts off very, very good. It ends very, very well. But all the Leah Brom stuff is just <laughs> crap. <laughs> all right. Well, there you have it. Uh, good discussion. Uh, very interesting episode uh, for me, and uh, actually aspects of it for you as well. And uh, I thought we covered everything. Is there anything? Anything else that we're missing that you can think of? I think we got it all, as far as I'm concerned. Have the bunks stopped meditating? (laughs) (laughs) A shout out to Werner Herzog. We invite him to join us on Starfleet Boy anytime that he wants. Yes, I mean, we would even not, we would just go off topic for you, Mr. Herzog, and talk about whatever you... (laughs) I wonder if uh, Werner Herzog uh, watches Star Trek. That would be an interesting, an interesting uh, thing to, to find it out. Was, oh, I will say this. It was Jordy's, it was LeVar Burton's birthday recently. Last yes, couple it was. Weeks. It was, yeah. Do you and remember I, how old he uh, was? Yeah, I think he's turned 50. Wow. Really? Let me. Yeah, I think he's Not 50. Not older? Me, no, I don't think so. Let's see. LeVar Burton. You sure? I, uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, no, he's 60. Wow. Thank you. Okay, that made more sense. I'm like, really? Well, that just goes to show He's only young. 10 years younger than me? Okay. <laughs> that goes to show... Oh, that's right. You're 42. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was your so birthday. So how old are you? <laughs> I'm going to turn 49 this year. Uh, 39. <laughs> 39 this year. <laughs> Wowzers. I uh, super aged myself there. Um, uh, LeVar Burton's... Birthday was February 16th, and yours was on the 20th. And today marks uh, my friend Alden's birthday and my two-year anniversary in the new Starfleet headquarters, Seattle. So Really? Yeah, today today actually marks uh, wow. <laughs> that. So, it's extraordinary. So a lot of stuff happening in February. I did uh, tweet something about LeVar Burton. Uh, on his on the occasion of his uh, birthday, because and I'll, I'd like to just say it now is that um, I was I knew I knew about Lavar Burton before Star Trek: The Next Generation mm-hmm. because of reading Rainbow. Of so he was a part of he was a part of my um, growing up. Are you going so to sing the song? Speak. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to, right? Butterfly no, in the to. sky. <laughs> I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. Oh, God. <laughs> um, anyways, it's a great show. And now the reading rainbow is resurrected and it's, and it's doing all kinds of cool really? things. I didn't know about, that. Yeah, about um, literacy. I don't think there's a show anymore uh but it's like there was a kickstarter and like here let's just look it up real quick so we can give proper uh, mention to what's um what's going on there so it's basically uh i guess it's just advocating a non-profit liter- yeah literacy for every child everywhere welcome to the home of reading rainbow and lavar burton's still at the center of all of that and so you can you can go to the website and um check it out and and uh look into that and so i really love yeah i really love that lavar burton um you know outside of his star trek life has this other really noble and wonderful um uh thing that he uh contributes to humanity so yeah do you remember (laughs) the episode of reading rainbow where he where he went to the star trek set yeah Yeah. actually yeah isn't that the episode where we get introduced to like all the special effects and it's all behind the scenes and everything like that and it took a while too it wasn't like near the beginning of his run on next generation it was right near the end I think so. And Reading Rainbow went on till 2006. So right. So it outlasted. He, yeah. 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 So very cool. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. 1983 to 2006, according to this little internet factoid here that I'm seeing. So 83 to 2006. That's a long-running uh, yeah, PBS. series there. PBS series there. Yep. Yeah. 
so yeah, LeVar Burton, happy birthday, happy belated birthday, and happy mm. birthday to you, Doctor. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, and happy we, anniversary. We welcome uh, <laughs> Mr. Burton to join us. Yes, anytime um, you want to be on anytime the Anytime he wants. <laughs> Please come aboard and tell us how you really feel <laughs> about Leia Braun. Oh, that would be really fun to talk about. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, concludes our discussion uh, for the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Booby Trap. Doctor, live long and prosper. And we'll see. And that's actually from Reading Rainbow. I always say we'll see you next time. That is another LeVar Burton influence. So we'll see you next time. (laughs) 